Welcome to another episode of the Thrive Kombucha Podcast. I'm Elijah, the founder of Thrive Brew Kombucha Co., an up-and-coming kombucha brewery in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. At Thrive Brew, our mission is to brew clean, crushable kombucha to nourish you to thrive. This podcast is simply an extension of that mission where we reflect and share the ins and outs of the journey it's been building out a nourished kombucha community. If you find any value or enjoyment from this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review on the platform you are listening to. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes that promote our favorite fermented beverage. Cheers. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking all about living brews for living people. What's going on, Trev? Third time's a charm. Was it the third or that was the second? Uh, I started recording it uh, earlier uh, and then had to go back and undo that one. It sounds about normal for us. Not really. No? No. We, we usually do pretty okay. Well, one time done? At the most, two. But we never edit in the middle. We never edit in the middle. No, we. This is this is the real take. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. I'm excited about today's episode. We're only going to scratch the surface, but it's going to be good. Going to throw some good stuff out there. Absolutely. Uh, you're actually you're going to be driving this pretty, pretty intensely. I'll probably chime in with questions or thoughts, but you this be is that, some, you be the active listener. Oh. I'm always the active listener. <laughs> Heavy on the active. But, uh, yeah, so we're talking about uh, living brews for living people. Yeah. Kind of talking about uh, just some of the... It's kind of interesting because you we've talked about this before in the podcast, but you start out with something and you start out with this kind of like chaos of an idea. It's like just... It's not honed in, you know, you know, there's quality, there's value to a thing. Any of you artists, any, anyone that puts any artistic creation out there in the world can probably relate with that, that there's something about the thing that you're trying to do that you're trying to grab onto and that you're trying to get the language there to articulate it and to realize what it is. And it's been a continual evolution of trying to distill it down, distill it down, distill it down to where it's what, what is the true value that you're putting into the world? What is the true, the, the, the bedrock of it all? Yeah. And it's only taken four years, <laughs> <laughs> but for us, we've honed it in more so not saying it won't slightly, but this is the bedrock of kind of why we do why we do what we do and why we think there's value to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and uh you've you've articulated some of it on social media. A little bit. A little bit. Just like, a little. Cuz uh you kind of had a um you've been synthesizing it more and more and more trying to get trying to turn into like okay, how what is sort of the bare bones or the most pungent and potent condensed way I can articulate what I mean. Yeah, the elevator pitch. Exactly. 
And so you kind of gave us a, uh, something along those lines on social media, but it's de- it sounds like it's developed even since then. I mean, yeah, it's developing. It's kind of like now that that is established, yeah, it's time to build on that. But it's now the bedrock, the the foundation is laid for the message we're trying to put out there. Yeah, well, like the key term in that is uh, is living. Yes. You want to start going into some of that? Yeah, let's go down the road. Um, living brews for living people to thrive is kind of the thing that we're bouncing off. And obviously the high emphasis on living. <clears throat> you've got life and you've got dead. <laughs> you've got a person in the casket and you've got someone going on a two-mile jog. Or whatever, you know, you've got movement. And when I think about living, I think about movement. I think about uh, vitality, every other adjective that you could put in around that concept. Energy was another one you were yeah. circling around. For Energy a is a very basic way of incorporating all those things, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Just there's energy or when the energy is pulled out of something, it's dead. Yeah. Yeah. It's the leaf that's fallen off. It's fall. Here we go. Uh, It's the leaf that's fallen off the tree that's now on the ground. It's disconnected from its life force. There's no energy going into that. It's dead. We are living beings and we require fuel to be able to stay in that movement. You know, the one thing that we all need is a fuel to keep going. You, you're not going to make it too long without some sort of food or energy source going right, into yeah, you. Yeah. It can come in many different ways. But, um, and so trying to distill down what those energy sources need to be and how what our role is in that process yeah. and how we think that there is great value to the living element of what we're we're doing. So that's some of the kind of like concepts of the human living side of it. Mm -hmm. But now we can get into what we mean by living brews. So as many of you know, who listen to this podcast or, you know, what most people know about kombucha is that there are probiotics. There are, there's bacteria in this. And most assume that there is some sort of a health-related benefit with that, with those probiotics and healthy bacteria. And we've, we're going to get into a couple of really cool things. There, yeah. There's some cool developments that's been out there in the world that are um, we have no association with, which is always the best. Um, no influence over producing the information. <laughs> We definitely didn't help sponsor it, so I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, we did not. Yeah. Very few people did, apparently. Yeah. Um, and just, so what is, what is kombucha? We've talked about this in the past, yeah. but kombucha is a fermented tea at its bedrock. And when we say, one thing we should probably break down I found a good definition like of a basic definition I'm sure there'll be nuance there'll be people listening to the podcast they can just hone it in even more say you missed the mark but here's a definition I found online on like a uh, 
I think it was a PubMed type of study and what they used for the word fermentation hmm. or fermented foods. And whenever that people say for like whenever people say foods, that it categorizes food and drink. What you know, it's the energy source going in. So fermented foods are defined as foods or beverages produced through controlled microbial growth and the conversion of food components through enzymatic action. So that's a breakdown of what we mean by fermented is that there is a live culture that is breaking down the components and transforming them through microbial growth and converting those things through enzymatic action. There's action. Mm -hmm. There's movement (laughs) to the process. There's life. There's life, baby. Um, Very important that it has to be. It has to be a living, actionable type of a process, too. It Mm -hmm. can't. There are categories out there which we might touch on quickly, but like not to be confused quickly with things like pickling, which is a dead, non-microbial living sort of acid, usually some sort of acetic acid vinegar that is put into, that is, that is put around, you know, infused with some sort of a vegetable or what have you, whatever. Usually, you know, usually like think about like cucumbers to make pickles. That is not to be confused with what we're talking about right now. That's not a fermented product. That's right. a pickled product. It's very different. Not saying that there's not value to that. I think there is. Yeah. But that's not what we're discussing when we're talking about kombucha being a fermented product. And natural. even probably that's a better way of saying it, a naturally fermented product. I have an uh, important question yep. about that. Um, what is your favorite pickled item? <laughs> your favorite pickled food? Pickled okra all the way. Okra? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's I a g- good one. I, uh, I had an uncle that had an absolutely epic garden. And he was one of the first people that I knew as a hobbyist who had, who really invested a lot of time into his, uh, to his garden, his Mm. backyard garden. And they always, every year made their own pickled okra. And so that was one of my favorite things of the year. Go over there, get some garden, fresh potatoes, tomatoes, nice piece of some sort of meat or something, and then have some like pickled okra on the plate. And it was just phenomenal. Yeah. Pickled red onion Woo. and or pickled ginger. All you pickled eggs, people. Stop it. Please. Stop it. Just stop. All right. Continue. <laughs> back, to, back, back to your uh, regularly scheduled program. <laughs> um, so what we're talking about is naturally fermented, a.k.a. living products that have not gone through any sort of pasteurization type of a process. They've been naturally fermented. The breakdown of all those different compounds and kombucha specifically the tea all the compounds that are in it and uh the sugar source mm. and how it's transforming that through the enzymatic action <laughs> i like that i like that for enzymatic <laughs> yeah and so there's a living com- there's a living microbial component to the end result of that process as long as there's no sort of deadening effect that's imposed on it because i i want to not just say um like heat pasteurization because there's other tricky methods out there with pressure and things like that that 
that do similar effects. So any sort of deadening. Whatever murders it is a problem. <laughs> whatever, whatever deads it. Whatever deads it. <laughs> and so kombucha being our offering at this point out there into the world, that's where we're going to keep the discussion on. But yeah. this also can lead over to other naturally fermented foods such as certain types of yogurts, certain types of cottage cheeses, um, kimchi, kimchi, sauerkraut, uh, kefir, um, lots of other things like that. <laughs> <laughs> other goodies. Yeah. That's about, oh yeah, there's like uh, vegetable brine drinks. Mm, um, yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, the kvass, you could have like the beet kvass, things, things of this sort. And so, Although those go through different processes, some are lacto-fermented, some are, you know, aerobic, going through aerobic fermentation like ours does, Mm -hmm. you know, different things like that. But so, but all of them have gone through a naturally fermented, naturally fermented process that have on the other side, you have living microbes that have been produced through that fermentation. Different ones depending on the different cultures and blah, blah, blah. But you have that. So there's been tons of, you call it anecdotal. Yeah. Yeah. Anecdotal. I mean, for millennium. Yeah. Fermented food. The main reason that fermentation was infused, was used, it was a natural preserver. Think about it. A hundred years ago, we didn't even have refrigerators. I don't think we did. I don't know when the refrigerator was created. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not talking about under underground cellars and things right, like that. No, I'm talking about, you know, refrigerators that we plug in in our houses, the 120 outlet. I, I, can't, I don't know when exactly. I, but assume, I assume probably 40s and 50s. I just always say a hundred years back if I want to prove something. <laughs> But it's not been that long ago. So it would take a few decades. Yeah. <laughs> and so especially, let's say 100, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, whatever, let's say you don't live in a city with constant gro- grocery store access. You live on the prairie. You live out in the boondocks. you getting around a horse and buggy. You ain't going into town. You ain't going through the drive through, you know, to get some food. You're growing most of your own food, very agricultural uh, societies mm-hmm. existed at this point. And so what happens is winter's coming and all that fresh produce, although there are some other ways that you can preserve it, but the yeah. main form of um, preserving that food has been f- for so long fermentation. Mm. Probably pickling as well, but live fermentation yeah. has been, oh, I forgot sourdough bread, by the way. Yeah, that is one of my favorites, by the way. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so. But, and by the way, that's pretty much the only bread that people ate for forever. I mean, there wasn't no dry yeast packets from Kroger. <laughs> it, was, it was live fermented breads and things. It's because they tasted it and they were like, why would I do anything else? <laughs> Imagine you never had any choice but to eat sourdough bread. My gosh. I'd go for a focaccia sometimes. That's fine. <laughs> anyway. So, forever it's been a preservation method, but 
when the refrigerator came, when the industrial age, factories, factory farming, big food, all these types of things came into play, where now we go to the grocery store for our food that is put on a time clock to where it can be produced at the snap of your fingers pretty much. You know, it's industrialized. It's it's factorized. <laughs> I don't know what that word would be. It's constant. <laughs> yes. No longer dependent upon the seasons. Not exactly. Yeah. Now we all associate food with the store. You know, we've got the the outside of the grocery, especially, unfortunately, in, in poorer communities, but even in nice places, the inside of the store is the biggest part of the store, which but what I mean by the inside of the store is all the shelves with all the canned goods yeah. and blah, blah, blah. You know, all the nasty processed foods and all these types of things. That's where all that stuff is. And it's because now we live... Quick caveat, yeah. we do need to give some credit to uh, to canning and stuff like that. Those rations are very helpful in war times. So uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll offer that a little bit, little little thing, but it shouldn't have become as uh, mainstream and uh, it's developed quite substantially into a lot of yeah. other destructive things. And not, these are general statements. Yeah. There's plenty of good stuff on the inside. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. as a general rule of thumb, that whole general rule of thumb, eat the outside of the, the grocery store. Right. It's all the whole, whole foods, basically. Things that haven't been overly processed and back at it with all kinds of preservatives. Blah, blah, blah. We're not going down that route today. Right. So, it used to be a preservative method, and it was used forever. We were very used, our, our systems were very used to taking in all these live microorganisms. Okay. So, and fermented foods and drinks for hundreds of years at this point have had, especially in um, Eastern medicines and things, have been associated with health, vitality. Like, this is not a new thing to come on the scene. There's been a new explosion of interest in fermented foods and beverages, Mm -hmm. but it's been espoused for hundreds of years probably thousands, I'm not exactly certain, of the benefits for vitality and health due to these, they probably didn't even know at the time, but now we're going to kind of go into a couple quick things and put some things out there of uh, the live microorganisms and acids that are developed in the process. And so let's get into a couple of these things and then we'll comment at the end, a little bit of why we think it's valuable. Yeah. Well, kind of we'll associate in what we did. So I'm, we're going to throw one little quick uh, study that was almost, it's magic for the naturally fermented um, camps. People who believed in this stuff, but you're just a person that makes it and... It's your word and you're already biased because it's your product or just as a consumer, people who believe these things, but where's the proof? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there was one epic study that came out from uh, just this little tiny organization known as uh, Stanford University um, that came out in last year, 2021. Don't know the exact dates of when it was 
conducted, but you could probably dig into the article. We're going to cite the down in the description. We'll put this stuff in there. Yeah, the publication is in July, so uh, about maybe a year and a half to two years ago yep. is when it was conducted, most likely. Yeah. And it was basically a study that was con- a study in humans, by the way, which is always important to say because... This was not a mice or rat type of study, even though there are tons of those that have been done, but this was an actual human study, which I don't know tons about studies. I just know those are ones of the expensive ones <laughs> because yes. there's so much more variables and you got to, yeah, lots more do- The dosage is higher and yeah, everything. A lot more communication with everybody, keeping everyone on board. Keeping it all documented. Yeah, a lot. You it's not to, controlled. You have to put on so much more controls as but as best as you can um, because uh, the the variables are just so much more vast. It's not a yeah for better or for worse. It's not a mouse inside of a vacuum to like nothing outside of it. <laughs> Poor little mouse. <laughs> Anyways, it's uh, better the mouse than me. <laughs> it's uh, so it was in humans and. It was with, um, and we'll just hit some of the high points of the study, but it was basically half of the crew was given a very high fiber diet. Basically to the point to where just getting as much fiber in them as possible, they did indicate, and we're going to link a podcast where they kind of really go into it, but they did link how much fiber they try to recommend, but it was just kind of like get as much fiber in your system as possible. And then on the other side, we're not going to talk too much about the fiber thing, but on the other crew was given naturally fermented, very important, naturally fermented living foods, fermented foods and beverages. And, when they went into this and they break it down in this po- in the podcast that we're going to link below, two PhDs, by the way, not just nobodies out there, and one of them who is a microbiologist, um, yeah, he's an associate professor of microbiology and immunology. I mean, the person you want on this study, <laughs> and the person that's going to nix it if anything's not in line. They went into this study thinking... Okay, we're just going to throw this fermented foods because it's hot in the culture right now. And they both, I think, liked the fermented foods and beverages. Can somebody like the taste or whatever? But they were expecting to see all these amazing results with the microbiome from the high fiber camp. And their findings were so opposite that they thought that the people that had sent them back the results had mixed up the two accidentally. And that's how crazy some of these effects were from the, the c- controlled group that, that upped fermentation, uh, uh, fermented foods and beverages into their diet. And I think they had a total of six servings in a day, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually not. It would be like a little bit of yogurt, Work in a uh, kombucha brewery, you'll yeah, find out yeah. how little that is. Yeah, that's pretty small. But it's like, that'd be like a little bit of yogurt for breakfast. Like uh, one kombucha, which is normally two servings. Yeah, if they're saying servings specifically. It's like, that's I mean, two servings. Then you have a little bit of sauerkraut, a little bit 
of kimchi later on or something or a kefir for dinner with dinner or something like that. Like it's not really that much to, to be put into put into them. And the findings were spectacular. We'll let the articles speak for themselves, but um, the study, but they found two huge things. One was the biodiversity and the biodiversity in the gut which is generally associated, this is their words, not mine, which most generally, there are some exceptions, but most generally biodiversity of all these living microbes are directly linked with better function in every way. Better protection, immune function, uh, and overall health and well-being are normally associated. And by the way, all these, and they even say themselves, we are in the absolute baby infancy of understanding microbial effects in the body. Like we are in the infancy stage, even though it's really been going heavy for the last 15 years. So they found that biodiversity by consuming these living foods was greatly expanded, which is directly, like I said, associated with immune function. Their words, not ours. Also, inflammatory response was drastically decreased. Which, if you are in the health and wellness and you follow these PhDs, experts in their fields, you cannot go by without understanding the benefits of decreasing inflammation in the body. Like, Inflammation in the body is directly associated with every illness Literally category. Everything. Every illness category, it on there is somewhere in the list of the the parameters is going to be inflam inflammation. Like you do not want inflammation in the body. I mean, there's obviously some positives and post exercise and things, but yeah, uh, chronic well, inflammation. Yeah, chronic inflammation. Inflammation a lot of times in the body has to is say a um, a survival mechanism. That gets triggered, and that's yeah. why it happens. So it means something is not happening correctly. It's not happening appropriately. Yeah. And those two things, immune function which from the biodiversity in the gut, greatly increased with the naturally fermented foods. And then the immune, I mean, the uh, inflammation great, decreased from the fermented group, which they were highly anticipating to come from the high fiber. Because, you know, eat your fruits and vegetables, people. Which I still think you should. But it was just high. Nothing happened from that camp. There was no biodiversity created from the high fiber. Not saying the fiber's not good. This is just what happened in the study. And then there was no inflammatory decreasing. There was no inflammation decrease from that high fiber. So, takeaways. It was really cool, too, because in the, in the podcast... They even differentiate, which was so cool to hear from these PhDs, that their specialty isn't fermented foods. They just, but it was cool to hear them go to this link. They even went to the link of distinguishing between things that have been naturally fermented and then what I'm calling deadened in some way or another, usually pasteurized, yeah, and then back added with living probiotic strains. They did not count those. Those were the ones that were not included in the study. Not saying that those might have benefits. We can't make that claim. 
There's no evidence to the contrary. But you got the people producing those types of things cannot claim this study because that is not backed. They even made sure that those types of products, which are most over-commercialized fermented products on the shelf, in the fridge or not, fall into that category, by the way, folks. And uh, if you're a Patreon member, uh, we had a recent hot takes on there that uh, this is actually relevant to, to some degree. So. And we'll keep resounding that. We'll keep banging that symbol. Yeah. But naturally fermented living products, foods, and and beverages are now in this first study, which is just cracking the can of worms. By the way, folks, it's this this study to go through like this when it was so unexpected and not has created hype. It's like, okay, we got to really look into this now. And that's what's going to be happening over the coming years. In the years. scientific community, specifically. Because exactly. like, there's already been a little bit of, a, a little bit of hype uh, for consumers for a good bit um, because of experience more than necessarily study. And a little bit from like gut doctors saying, hey, go kind of do this, this yeah. you know, to, to kind of help. But um, this is... Uh, from what from what you told me is uh, the yeah. first legitimate study that um, substantiates a lot of claims. Yes, and it's not it's the first study that's not just on the product itself and what contains gotcha. what it contains. That's of notable credibility, and it is one study. So I'm even I'm very aware to not lay claims that are outside of the confines of that. But here's what I say. There's all this anecdotal things. And then for something like this from people like this is just a phenomenal win for the the naturally fermented community. Like it, it's it's pretty phenomenal. And so anyways, so takeaways are fermented foods are freaking amazing. So all of us on this podcast are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all of us. Yeah. So, how does that relate to what we're talking about today? Well, it's been a long process of for us realizing what is it exactly? What is the bedrock reason? What is the true value that kombucha, naturally fermented kombucha like we produce here only, mm-hmm. puts out there in the world what's the value that it's adding and this is it folks it's the living microbes the you know the acid the 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 naturally fermented acids that have been developed which acetic acid is one of the biggest ones we didn't even go down that road because we're talking but has been it's been studied in apple cider vinegar and it has a lot of great potential effects on your body. You can look into those on your own. Look for credible sources. Um, but the living, these living microbes, there's just something magical in them. And what they do for immune function and just overall well-being in, in your health. And I think that as a society, and we've talked about this before, more and more and more, we've developed into a 
sanitized, distanced from the earth, distanced from our bodies and movement type of a world. It's kind of like we're going more sedentary and sterilized as as a society. And this is a little bit belief, but studies like this point to that there it's not just from nowhere that these claims go out is that I believe personally there is just so much value in that connectivity with the earth, which is there's a lot of energy in the earth, by the way. <laughs> We've talked about that, I think, on maybe the last previous episode. Yeah. But how there is energy reverberating from the earth that's going into these different products that we can, these whole foods that we consume, and these raw, naturally fermented foods and beverages. There's a living component to that that's going in, and it, and you know, getting your hands in the soil, and I mean. You want to talk about something that is, um, if you want the cure-all for everything, every function of your body on, like, literally anything, you want to make it better, exercise vigorously. <laughs> like, that is the number one. Like, it helps every longevity piece of your body, exercise. Um, I was just listening to an amazing podcast from a, a PhD and, you know, uh, nutrition earlier today and it's just like if you want the pill exercise is it so move that movement that life that's what we want to bring into the world because we believe that it first off when you feel good you feel healthy you're moving your body you're getting in contact with the sun you're you're getting out in nature you're consuming things that are nourishing like kombucha whole foods things like this, things that are connected with the earth. It's when you feel good and you're in those moments, it just overall adds. It makes everything else in your life go better too. All your relations go better because you're not getting these crazy mood swings all the time. You're not, you know, or whatever, you know, you're, when you feel good, then you just respond better in every aspect of life. And so, what we're trying to do is produce living brews for living people to thrive. And that's our part in the kind of, that's the value we want to add to people's lives is staying true to, even though it may not look like a five gallon glass jar anymore and it's a brewery, <laughs> We stayed true to that living element of our brews that they are carefully watched over, that we include. They're not probiotic sodas with back-added acid juice. They're living, live-fermented products that can be associated with things like this study that came out. Yeah, And so... That's our value added to the world. And we, and so that's the bedrock. And we're going to build off that and learn it, learn more as we go. But that's kind of the, that's the kind of the breakdown. That's what, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. It's crazy that a uh, study like this hadn't been uh, really conducted previously. 
Not really. Yeah. When you think about how most studies get done, yeah, is there's got to be money. And like I said earlier in this podcast, it's basically a miracle that this study even exists because to create raw living foods and beverages is one of the freaking hardest things in all of the food industry. Like from someone that's gone down, down the process, not only the whole process, but then once it leaves your doors, the distribution partnership, it has to be all kept highly refrigerated and every store that's newly selling your product, you have to keep in constant communication to remind them of that needing to be refrigerated, even though it's all over the packaging. And, you know, if you don't hold those in a good confines and have good systems and everything and dating systems and all these things, you're going to have reactivation of the live product that's going to end in explosions and, you know, partnerships that are ruined. And it's just one of the hardest and... You know, we even have the commitment of putting all, you know, whole, we we bring in everything whole, all the strawberries, pineapples, everything's fresh, whole. I mean, as crazy high quality as you could possibly do it. And with all those things in line, it's just one of the hardest things to craft and do and scale. And so there's not many that hold to their convictions as they grow and really scale. And now four years in, I totally understand why. Because it's incredibly difficult. And so you start getting, you know, you start wanting to get that bigger paycheck. You want to do this thing or whatever. It all takes money, like everything. And so you start seeing, oh, if we just kind of like... take the pineapple out and add a little natural flavor, pineapple flavoring in here. We can adjust that out of the cost. That goes back to profitability. You know, you can see where those types of decisions would easily be made. Or buy our dead acid booch from someone right up the road who just opened a location up in Cincinnati, which don't worry, we'll have some hot takes on the back end on that one day. Um, we don't like them if you, if you can't tell. Um, it's my favorite part of Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> More on that another time, peeps. Oh, man. But we're committed to this thing, and we're going to be offering living brews for living people to thrive, just like we've always been doing, and just like we're going to continue to do it. And as we're going on the journey, we're going to make it fun as we go. You know, we're going to make Kentucky Mule flavors. We're not going to make just a a a uh, straight ginger, ginger flavor. <laughs> I mean, there's just plenty of them out there in the world. Yeah. We want we have a different ex- we have a different expression. You know, we're gonna make a, a blush. Blush just sounds nice. It makes me. It's blush. just a nice name. <laughs> we're gonna make a sapphire, which is what I'm actually drinking right now. Actually, you can get it online. Yes, you can. We don't distribute it, but uh, we do have it for sale online. It's our uh, blueberry and perfectly dry hopped kombucha. It's amazing. So that's kind of it. Got anything else? Um, Any other thoughts? No, just that it's always good to return to the values, the why of it all. And then when you know that like what you're doing, what you're producing is 
not just an idea, but it was like is actual fuel for people to live. It uh, makes it a little bit more worthwhile. It just makes you feel good about what you do. Exactly. You know, you're if you can have that type of value that you add out there into the world, and people are we're lucky enough for people to actually consume that and gain real value. Like I know you don't get much of the customer interaction anymore, but when a customer comes in who has had horrible gut issues for years on end, started drinking kombucha with you, still is to this day, and it's just like it has transformed them anecdotally through them. But it, it has completely solved the problem that they came in with. It makes you feel great. Crazy. When, if you can think of that, we are decreasing inflammation in people's bodies as they consume this, that we are putting live microbes that, you know, <laughs> natu- create more biodiversity in the gut. Like, I'm happy camper, man. Good. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. If my boss is a happy camper, then... Uh... Most days. Unless we leave the water on too long overnight, it spills all over the floor. Then I'm not a happy camper. Looking at you and Trey. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, we're going to go over the Patreon. We're gonna, we got another hot take for the day, don't we? Yep. Oh, we got a hot take for the day. So um, if you want to support the podcast, you can always uh, join up to the Patreon for the cost of one kombucha a month. We do lots of other little conversations, back-added content, kombucha deals um all kinds of exclusive content that we're gonna be eligibility up there. for a free eight pack of kombucha eligibility for free eight pack we're gonna send one out a month absolutely it's pretty epic yep anyhow you can join us over on the patreon that'd be awesome we love connecting with you all over there and we're gonna be talking over there right after this with another hot take hot kombucha take we got to come up with an epic name. Did anyone send anything in? No. All right. That's okay. <laughs> it's all right, peeps. We, we love you anyways. They're, they're thinking about it. They're thinking. Um, another free way to support this podcast is just leave us a five-star review. It helps us so much. Um, put a little comment in there if you'd like. We read every single one of them. We distribute regionally and ship nationwide you can order any of our kombuchas especially our test batch flavors that we don't even distribute and only people in lexington or if you live in and drive here on saturdays from 10 to 3 you can get them that way or you can get them shipped directly to your door through our new kind of mix and match forum that we can can up any of our stuff um we got some we got some good test batch flavors right now cold killers hitting this year baby it's good um, got any further questions, hit us up at info at thrivebrewco.com. We appreciate each and every one of you. Hope you have a magical season. Do you guys have your Christmas lights up yet? Trey does. Brewmaster does. No, we do not. You don't? No. Yeah, I don't need that yet. Trey's out doing us. Do you guys have your Christmas tree lights up? I bet you do. All right, see you guys. Bye.